Hi, I'm 2021 Why Not Cam Awards winner Chelsea Poe. I'm here to tell you about my cam studio, Treasure Cams. Treasure Cams is a performer-led webcam studio owned by queer porn star Bella Vendetta. We welcome all 21-plus models who want to earn a paycheck from home as cam performers. We're open to all body types, genders, persuasions, and presentations. You get access to our performer-only forums, monthly team meetings, as well as help with promotion and marketing. For customers, check out treasurecams.com to see all of our models, schedules, and photos. Treasurecams.com. performers pod i'm here with writer activist multiple time avian award winner and my personal favorite porn star ever stoya welcome to the podcast hi thank you thank you for having me on i'm so excited to talk to you you're i feel like your name comes up in nearly every other podcast i do on here oh gosh (laughs) yeah honestly like i feel like i come into some of these podcasts with people where i'm like i have a plan but something i just want to let them know you had such an influence on so many girls who got into this industry who I don't think ever saw a space for themselves here. Wow. I think because like, I don't feel like, obviously we're sites like God's Girls and Suicide Girls, but you were able to do so much more outside of that in porn and really keep your voice as well as after porn. Well, not even after porn because you still occasionally do porn. You're like able to write a book or host a podcast or do an article for um, Slate, like, I feel like you've been able to do so much and expand what you can do as a porn performer. So I just want you to know that before anything else. Thank you. I, um, I just, for a project I'm working on, interviewed Hyapatia Lee, mm-hmm. and she had so much to say about her transition out of adult performing and she's done so much since. And so I, I think it was two days ago, I was sitting there going, you are so inspirational. <laughs> and now I feel like I'm getting a sense of what she might've felt being on the receiving end of that. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you're getting that. Yeah, and if for my me, podcast can do nothing else, I hope it does that. Thank you. For me, like the first kind of reaction is like, that's awesome. I think everyone should write when I hear about like, oh, Tasha Raines writing a memoir, like I'm like, send it to me as soon as you have it. When can I have you come to book club? (laughs) I'm so excited because I really want to see like, you know, Blue Stockings already has a shelf of books by sex workers about sex work. And I'm, I'm using the like broadest sense of the term. Um, I know people who do direct providing sometimes take issue with what feels like Um, Mm co-opting, but sexual labor, we can say. Um, And I'd like, I'd like that to be at like Barnes and Noble as well. For sure. Right. I'd like you to wander into the biography section (laughs) and there just be like, 36 inches of <laughs> I like how you say it in inches yeah. <laughs> like well it sounds more impressive than three yeah feet, right <laughs> I feel like it's also the most porn measurement possible as well 
that too. My favorite joke, um, especially like I'm living in Europe now and they use the metric system and I was never really good with whatever the name of the system we use in the United States was. Mm-hmm. So I like to tell people it's because men have been telling me this is six inches for my whole life. <laughs> That's such a good one. Yeah, I just feel like it's just so important. Like I feel especially when I first started looking at porn and I got into sex work, it was very much like, okay, I felt like you couldn't actively continue that and connect it to your art and I feel like your generation of performers really were able to do that and continue being like oh I'm still stoya no matter if I'm doing porn I'm no matter stoya if I'm doing whatever art you're really doing I think that's so cool that you know it's not this shameful thing that would have to be hidden I I think I am one example of a change in public perception that when I speak to and read from the older generations or the previous generations of porn performers, really only Annie Sprinkle comes to mind. Yeah. As having had that like smooth, like, oh, I'm blogging on Tumblr about (laughs) my porn work, which also means we have to talk about sexual health because everyone assumes we're just like, banging each other raw day after day in various combinations with absolutely no health and safety mm-hmm. kind of like risk mitigation. So we got to talk about that too. And now like, oh, I'm like accidentally a sex educator. So I should start getting some education. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just like step by step. And then I woke up one day and I'm like, huh, I haven't performed in a porn scene since before the pandemic. Yeah. If Around the World in 80 Ways, Los Angeles with Mickey Maud is the last porn scene I make, I really don't care because I tried to do the Zero Spaces project where we were like, you know, can we have depictions of sex that are explicit and mature, nuanced thought and discourse about sex in the same kind of like platform? Mm-hmm. And the answer is no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and like like my dad I can practically hear him saying well it still costs you less than an MBA would and I'm like yeah but I gotta stop making educational moments like this with that kind of price tag <laughs> yeah I feel like it, with art projects it's so much just like I think there's both the thing of like oh am I getting emotionally I need out of it and then financially you're like wow I made this whole thing I worked so hard and no one cares about it. I think it's my best thing I think that's so difficult it's it's kind of like it's not that there are two different worlds right like I mm-hmm. have plenty of people who followed my career through the various stages who are into all of it um not so much the digital playground stuff. Um, the people who liked the digital playground stuff don't like what I've been doing for the past several years. And the people who like what I've been doing for the past several years have basically been waiting since God's girls, if they've been around that long <laughs> for me to do something that works for them again. Uh, Was God's girls your first site you were on? Uh, I forget if Razor Dolls or God's Girls launched first. Okay. 
And I also, it was the same photographer who shot me for both initially. And I don't remember who contacted him first or like who we did. Oh, no, 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 wait, it was God's Girls. I was the photographer Joshua Darling, I'm assuming? No, it was Johnny Sorber. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Joshua Darling is an interesting character. He yeah, yep. <laughs> photographed me a couple of years after that, like kind of around the God's Girls time for me. And then he like came up to me at AVN when I was a digital playground contract star, which meant I didn't get to make my own decisions about yeah. what I wanted to do regardless, right? Everything had to be with their permission. And they really made people jump through hoops. Um, and he just like came up to me. I was like, Stoya, like, when are we going to take new pictures? Because I'm such a better photographer now. And it was like, excuse me? What? <laughs> I was <just> like, what? <laughs> and then he popped back up like a year ago. Oh, no, really? A couple of months ago, he popped up in my dms and website contact form and i checked with some people whose opinion i trust and was like hey are you still in contact with this dude and they're like no and i'm like that's all i need to know (laughs) i feel like that's how the industry is often i'm retired so i'm like are you you officially retired basically all i do is nude photos that I put on my fan pages and then like my weird art stuff but because I want people to see it I keep my genitals covered Mm, okay yeah Um, I mean you're still naked online I guess so yeah but like that's an actively working performer in porn yeah you're you're turning out scenes Um, I mean especially when you got into the industry I just feel like now it's just so different with content trade and sites like mini vids where performers now if you have an only fans you can and posting nudes you can be a sex worker now and like be active it's just so different that it's not requiring studios and all these gatekeepers that were here before yeah but like I just I don't want to deal with the studio system yeah, for sure I don't want to deal with straight white cis dudes who yep. <laughs> act like they tend to act and mainstream porn is so full of them and I'm like I much prefer my OnlyFans account <laughs> yep. where I can deal with them one-on-one and if they cross my boundaries and ignore the first warning I can block them and refund them and be like goodbye um, but pro tip always refund because if you don't refund they can do a chargeback and if you have enough chargebacks, that jeopardizes your account with the site because if the site has enough chargebacks, then they lose their billing. That's a very good tip. Yeah. Yeah. So, kind of, um, so now you're essentially doing the whole OnlyFans thing and kind of doing that off the back of your career and all your art on the side. So, when you first got into this industry, obviously you were doing different art stuff and doing like photo sets. So how did it really evolve for you from God's Girls to becoming um, part digital playground? And like when I first got into this industry, I heard like the weirdest misconceptions about you, I feel like. 
Like it was like, oh yeah, Storia gets paid not to have sex. That's how good of a performer she is. <laughs> and I was like, wow, it's impressive. I mean, kind of technically, but what they were paying was like sixty two thousand five hundred a year, and that's before taxes. I heard a very different number. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I and then like heard people are like, oh yeah, she's making like a half million dollars a year and stuff like that, but. I guess it's oh my God, that everyone that everyone's rich, right? Yeah, well, also, like, I remember certain performers told me things that weren't true about their rates. Like, it was, like, overly inflated. Mm. So when I wanted to do a double penetration scene, I was like, yeah, I want to do this, and you need to pay me $14,000 because that's For what sure. the going rate is. And they're like, what? <laughs> and I was like, no, I have heard. I love that energy people. though. I love that energy. You're like, I need $14,000. Yeah. And they were like, how about seven? And I'm like, great, I'll take it. Yeah, that's terrific. <laughs> and then now that I've like actually produced myself and know what rates are, I'm like, <laughs> oh my God my confidence because I had been lied to was so strong that I got like multiple times going rate. <laughs> oh my god I love that so much. So just like you have no idea what anybody's making yeah nobody shares their books and I think the wage transparency really holds back workers rights. For so, sure. Like, I don't want to out anyone else's rate but I have considered like being like, hey, so like the total budget for this series was <laughs> like, <laughs> except then I'd have to like look at receipts and do math. So eh. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. So when you kind of entered porn, was it like fully the studio model was a kind of leftovers of 90s porn where people were still kind of making money? Um, I think I came in around the time Pornhub launched okay so it was it was really the beginning of the end and um I had been on God's Girls and Razor Dolls naked in my fun photo suit photo sets where I did things like glue monster fur to my pubic area and have some yeah that's sounds my right the cat ears yeah um <laughs> I was having a ball with my friends, right? Like Johnny was my roommate at the time and we shot together all the time just for fun. And then it was like, hey, let's do this thing. Great. Um, and then Razor Dolls asked if I would come out for a sex scene with a female performer. And I was like, um, so I don't know. And I won't know until we're actually doing it right like I I'm unable to judge whether this is such a foreign kind of concept mm -hmm. that I have no ability to tell you if I can do this job so you have to promise me if I get off the plane and I'm like no I can't do this you have to be fine with that yeah if we're finished with makeup and it's time to start rolling. And I'm like, no, I can't do this. You got to be fine with it. If I get five minutes into the scene and I'm like, all right, I'm done now. You can keep your footage and use it, but I'm going to leave. And they were like, absolutely 100%. Um, 
And, you know, I was young and this was before gender theory had really crossed my path. So I also was like, and if I see a fucking penis, <laughs> anyone's penis, right? That's it. You're not, you're not springing dicks on me. Um, <laughs> that was the way I approached it. And I went out and we got like 15 minutes into the scene and then the director threw his back out. And then we like finished the movie eventually. And I gave a giant teddy bear a lap dance and then eviscerated it with a knife. That's my first introduction to you. Holy shit. <laughs> I saw this. I like, I heard of you through, I think it was just like general like art world stuff. And then I looked you up and I saw you like disemboweling a teddy bear. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? This is amazing. And then I like, that's how, that was actually the first thing of yours I ever saw. So I guess it's a good introduction of like time period wise. Very much so. <laughs> um, I feel like if you just took, um, if you just took Kill the Bear and hysterical literature and like, <laughs> like and I also think you're like 60 minute talk that you did with Vice that you were like, everyone all, always like overestimates porn stars if we're like viewed as intelligent where people are like, oh, you're in Mensa, right? And then, or on the other way being like, oh, you don't know anything. You're just a porn star. Like, I oh feel God, like I those three things. Public, <laughs> it's, it's kind of fucking true though. Like, I feel like with mainstream press, they either want to be like, even with me, like I had stories that they're like the Laverne talks of porn. I'm like, I'm not comfortable with that. But then there's like other things where it's stuff I really know about. And they just like, are like, no, we're not going to include you as part of the narrative, even though we interviewed you. And it's just like, I feel like we really get both sides of it. I expect you really only get called about trans issues. Um, it depends. Sometimes I do. Um, Sometimes it's more just like general porn and I don't even know if they know I'm trans, honestly. Oh, great. It's a weird thing. I think I have a certain amount of invisibility as being trans sometimes. So I feel like sometimes I get reached out to and people don't know. So it's kind of a flip side of a coin thing, but yeah, especially early on when I was like first doing stuff against slurs and trans porn and pushing for trans inclusion, it was very much, we're going to have a trans political conversation and it's going to be about porn and we're going to ask you and be like oh you are the activist who knows everything in this industry just a lot none, to put on like a 23 year old none of us know everything like that's that's a huge amount to put on a 23 year old most 23 year olds don't have the lived experience necessary to like explain an entire industry I am 35 and I do not have the lived experience to explain the entirety of adult film maybe there's a 23 year old somewhere who just like actually does belong in Mensa um but I I certainly couldn't um and in the slate column which I've been doing since Definitely since 2020. When did COVID start? Yeah, um, like March of 2020 in the States. Okay, so I th think I might have been doing it since 2019. It's been a long time. And mostly what I do is find other people 
who specialize in the thing, right? So someone came to me asking for queer porn in historical contexts and so, or in historical like settings. Mm -hmm. So I went <laughs> to Gisley and yeah. I went to these two academics that I cannot remember the names of right now. Um, I'm really awful with names. I'm bad with names of people. I'm bad with names of places. I'm bad with names of songs. Like you would like, if someone asks me like, what's your favorite song? I'm like the one that goes like, <laughs> 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 like what? And I'm like, you know, it's got the video with like the thing in it. <laughs> but it, you know, it's like, okay, great. I don't have an answer for that, but the actual work is figuring out who will have an answer. Mm -hmm. And I feel like when the mainstream media talks about the adult industry, the adult entertainment industry, or really any kind of sexual labor, they want to talk to three people and get a quick answer. Yep. And I'm like, that's not adult film is so much more diverse. And what I see as the problem is that, and like, you know, Shine Louise Houston has figured out how to make a sustainable company mm -hmm. that from what I hear genuinely is ethical in its processes and also has representation of the wide variety of bodies and mm -hmm. types of sex that can happen. Um, Courtney Trouble might be doing okay. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm with them like every day. So yeah, we're doing good. <laughs> great. Um, but otherwise, it's like either feminism washing or yeah. mainstream cishet porn that's doing really well. And I think starting to be a little more inclusive. Um, or it's a bunch of people who had really great ideas and did something interesting and then it wasn't sustainable and it lives on pinklabel.tv and yeah. like <laughs> you know <laughs> and it's like you know I think part of the issue is that these projects because they're not seen mm -hmm. by mainstream journalists who are talking about pornography they don't get the attention they need to be viable yeah, I think it's, I think it's starting to open up a little bit more. I think the amount of festivals that are now happening in Europe really gives an audience to all this like experimental porn in the world. One of my favorite porn collectives, um, do you know Fuck the Fascism? No. Okay, it's the coolest thing ever. Like, I, I feel like after like the first wave of alt porn that you were a part of, I was 100% sold in on that. It wasn't until I went to Europe um, to the Berlin Porn Film Festival my first time I got very into this. So it's a com it's from a few Chilean filmmakers. They're um, they do like in person activism. So they'll like go to a fascist grave and like piss on it and like fuck on it and like deface it, and then like also hand out pamphlets in the city letting everyone know what this person did. And that's just what they do. They just go to all these historic sites around the world and just do this stuff. That is incredible. I will definitely send you a link after. It's the coolest yes, thing. Please. I've been trying to get them to come on this for very long. They're kind of um, 
always bouncing all around the world doing this. So it's a little bit hard to track them down and get a decent internet connection. Yeah. But just honestly, the cool stuff they did in Germany, they did in Barcelona, they did it um, in Rome at the Coliseum, just like really, truly out there stuff and just really radical stuff. And even like what um, Four Chambers is doing, I feel like there's so much more, especially in European porn than the United States. Yes, yeah. My When I'm talking about mainstream porn, I'm talking about the stuff that comes out of LA, Vegas, and when I'm talking about the problems with capitalism in porn, it's within the United States. And it's one of my favorite subjects is the way that the banking infrastructure makes it so freaking hard. And I got to tell you, I moved to Europe, to a small country, to a small city, and the banker does not care how I earned my money. Yep. As long as I am not a politician. That is the <laughs> only thing that would make them care how I make it as long as I pay my taxes. Like It's just so different in Europe. Um, Trouble Films, we use a different credit card processor. We use one called Veritel that's um, based in the Netherlands. So they, they're like, oh yeah, sex work just part of life here. It's totally fine. As opposed to here, it's, I feel like MasterCard and Visa are trying to make different rules every few weeks about what is allowed. And just that we don't really have to worry about that's such a game changer. That's awesome. I'm really glad to hear that people are able to leverage globalism to access European saner about sex infrastructure. Yeah, I feel like that's honestly the biggest thing I learned from this podcast. I've interviewed people from like I've had South American performers. I had people from um, I had a dom from Japan. I had people across Europe, Australia just porn is so different from country to country and just how much it varies. And I think there's such a stereotype that porn is just LA and Vegas and there's just so much outside of it. And that's what I think has been like the most rewarding part of this podcast is just honestly learning all the different reasons why people get into this industry and just kind of getting away from a lot of generalizations I had even myself. Yeah, you just corrected one of mine and specifically one that I pointed out the mainstream media does. So thank you very much for that. <laughs> oh, I was even trying to. <laughs> no, I, I'm genuinely, genuinely appreciative. Um, these are the kind of conversations that help keep me in the loop, which I need to be as a journalist so I don't replicate the same errors that drew me to write to correct, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that's, the biggest thing I got from this whole experience because I think I, I think you're like probably like the 35th first time interviewed or something like that 40th in the last year and it's just yeah I just porn's just so big and even just country to country it's just so different yeah, yeah. so when you were getting into porn like who were the artists that were influencing you at the time like who really drew you in and made you think this is a thing I can do more than just doing some God's Girl sets or you know, a girl-girl scene here or there? That's not exactly the right question. Oh, so okay. I, uh, I went to the porn store when I agreed to do this Razor Doll scene. It was not exactly the porn, star, porn store. It was TLA Video, which had like a pretty well-known as being extensive porn collection. And this was back when you went and rented or bought a DVD. <laughs> um, so I went and I was like, okay, 
this fashionistas thing looks cool and I should probably watch Stunt Girl because that's the actual director. And then, huh, my roommate, one of my roommates is really into pirates. So I'll grab this pirates one too. <laughs> and we got, I got to the apartment and it was one of those, you know, everyone's like young teenage 20 maybe 21 mm-hmm. um and so there were three of us living in official bedrooms and then a couple of guys who would like crash in the basement for extended <laughs> yeah. periods and then there were always like five other people over and so we just all gathered in the living room and watched all of these porn dvds <laughs> But like, is this in LA or Philly? This is in Philly. Sounds very uh, Philly. <laughs> so we're just like watching all these things, and I'm like, I don't think I can do any of this. I don't know. Like, Belladonna is like a gymnast with her butthole. Yeah. Like that, I don't even know where to start with that. I have no butthole awareness, right? I mean, I know I have a butthole, but I certainly don't know how to make it do things. Like, I can't yeah. rest my limbs. Um. And, you know, Pirates was a very mainstream, um, one of the biggest productions of its time. For sure. Um, And it was so, um, uh uh-huh, yeah, uh, 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 uh. (laughs) And I'm like, I don't don't think I can do that either. I get the appeal. you do mainstream porn voice is really funny like it's just so out of character I like I like to do it at um there was one porn screening I put together and showed a couple of times where the point was consent and I gathered resources from like cis gay porn heteronormative mainstream porn um queer porn and like I forget what else and at the end, I would go like, all right, so what do we notice here? Right? Like Francois Sagat's hands in this scene. Mm-hmm. What were they doing? Yeah, they were pulling in. Yeah, they were communicating active consent. Great. So is that maybe the theme? Yes, it is. Awesome. So, um, you know, when we're talking about porn, and consent the thing we make fun of most in heteronormative porn is oh yes right there fuck me baby so hard (laughs) so good i'm like these are all communications of affirmative fucking consent um but when i do it i tend to caricature it because it makes people laugh and when you teach someone a lesson about sexuality and then you make them laugh then they're laughing at something else not themselves and they're less embarrassed and I think they internalize the lesson better um yeah but I'm like I can't I can't do that voice either yeah long before I'd gone into mainstream porn um and then I watched Stunt Girl and I was like, okay, this I think I can handle. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Razor Dolls, like, I don't know, like a year went by or whatever. And 
there was one of their performers. Um, he was kind of skinny, which isn't really my favorite, but he had a ladder on the underside of his penis. And I was like, very curious about what that feels like. Um, <laughs> it's just like this like column of barbells stuck through. Wow, I've never even heard of that. I think very it's called a ladder. Uh, but I, I was curious about putting that inside of me. Uh, so I was, I was kind of tempted, but then the holdup was, I knew the second I touched a penis on camera, everything was going to change. I was going to have to deal with a lot of judgment and social upheaval back in Philadelphia. Um, my mom was going to freak out and like, just like all that kind of stuff. And, you know, at that time, suicide girls had been all over MySpace, right? They were the Queens Mm -hmm. of MySpace, them and Audrey Kitching. Um, Oh, damn. I remember (laughs) following her for sure. She always had great hair. Um, so good. But like, you know, it's like nude pictures or like, yeah, I did a sex scene with a chick once. We licked each other's pussies. <laughs> Big deal. Um, but like there there was a line. And then a year or two later, Digital Playground, I've heard several stories about what went on in the office that they reached out to me. I don't know what the truth is. Um, but they reached out and they were like, would you like to do a sex scene with Sophia Santi? And like, Sophia Santi's really hot. <laughs> like, she's, she's really hot. And I saw her at one of the last conventions I did um, a year or two before the pandemic. And she was still really fucking hot. Uh, and I'm like, well, you know, um, I, I've struggled with uh, chemistry with, some of the people I've done sex scenes with. Mm-hmm. So I'm not really sure how to navigate that. And, you know, like, is there a way that we can kind of ensure that we've set ourselves up for success here? Um, and then they started kind of feeling around about people with penises, um, specifically cisgender dudes. Right. Oh, I'm so sorry. My cat's screaming right now. Oh, precious baby. <laughs> yeah, she's. Yeah, your cat's my also here. Yeah, she's a calico and just screams for attention. So if you hear that, she's totally fine. Um, but yeah, especially back in the time, it's not like trans women were getting those gigs back then. It was definitely cis men. No, it was a very gender <laughs> yeah. binary, like sex equals gender for sure like that's, that's what it was um so it's like the second i touch a dude on the dick on camera like that's gonna change so yeah you're like really in at that point then yeah um and so i had to do some like serious thinking right once they directly asked i was like okay um i need to think about some things do I want to go into education or politics or, mm-hmm. cause you know, I'd already heard stories of like 
this chick who was on Razor Dolls or something was a ballet teacher and got fired when the nude pictures came to light. Um, and one of the few skills I had on my resume was I had been an unpaid instructor at the last dance school that I was at. So it was like, that's, you know, of, mm -hmm. of all the not having a backup plan things, like that's one of the few cards I could try to pull. Yeah. Um, so like, you know, what, and I tried to think, what am I going to think when I'm, what am I going to feel when I'm in my thirties and my perspective on life has changed to something that I can't currently wrap my brain around and like people are finding out about it and judging me for it. Mm -hmm. And at the time I was like, well, see, the thing is anyone who's going to be like, I can't deal with you because you did porn. It's like a matter of weeks before I do something to scandalize them anyway. Yeah, um, for sure. Like I, the person that I'm heavily flirting with right now, I went to get a massage and the massage place is like not afraid to get all up in my groin, which I'm happy with because those little muscles up there do a lot of work. <laughs> um, so I'm like, they're like getting in there and I'm like, yeah, this is great. And then a finger brushes against my pussy and I'm wearing like little paper thong kind of situation. Yeah, yeah, that situation. Yeah, so it's not, it's not like full contact, but I'm like, I guess that's what happens when they get all up in the groin. And then like the eighth time it happened, I was starting <laughs> to wonder like, is this guy going to finish the job? Right. Or the last, or the last 10 minutes. Cause like, I should consider now how I feel about this. And <laughs> just in case the opportunity presents itself. Um, <laughs> but then they finished the massage very, you know, as they had been. And um, then I came out and I got home and I texted the person I've been heavily flirting with. I'm like, so, and I told them everything I have just said here. And I'm like, I'm like, this has nothing to do with my career in pornography. This is just me out in the world. The masseuse touches my pussy and I'm like, how far is this going to go? I'm excited to find out. Yeah. A hundred percent. Then I need to share my disappointment with someone. Um, so it's very, um, you know, and now that I am 35 and I am not really living like the porn porn lifestyle um people are usually pretty cool and the ones who aren't cool there are 500 other things that they find upsetting and we don't tend to have long or deep discussions um and it's really fine but i thought about all that i researched the health and safety stuff and the existence of AIM really like, you know, I, I don't think the way they handled, was it 2005? Um, 
either 2004 or five, like sometime in that range, they did, um, I think, mishandle an HIV positive result. Um, but it seemed like there was an organization doing the best they could mm -hmm. and the best they could do was really pretty acceptable. Um, yeah. And porn, 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 <laughs> big time career porn meant that I, as a contract girl, like part of the deal was I don't have a no list. I have a yes list. And so at first I like went through like a book with um, a director mm -hmm. and um, then I quickly realized that I can't judge chemistry based on a photo. Yeah, I, that's very true. I have to meet these people and like for me it's smelling them. I could see that. I have to smell them. I have to get close and take away. <laughs> 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 Which is someone, I think they were trying to be mean, but someone said I was the Steve Urkel of porn. And <laughs> I think you're I'm a like, lot cooler than that. Yeah, but I'm like, maybe. Like, I'm like, I think I'd like to work with you. Can I smell you? <laughs> um, I can feel that though. Like... I don't know. I feel like I either know in the first like five minutes of meeting someone, I'm like, okay, this is gonna be a really fun scene or okay, we're gonna get through this. <laughs> like it's very much both ways where it's like, we can professionally get through this or there's there's one scene that there is a lot of chemistry and you're like, wow, I'm really happy I got to do this and have that opportunity. Yeah, I have sometimes envied performers who approach it as acting and can deliver a scene technically because with me you never know what you're going to get we have even if it's a person that I've delivered this kind of scene with in the past like it's a different day it's a different context that's what's going to happen um and you know around the world in 80 ways was pretty well suited to that but working for digital playground like they're like, so today's an anal scene. And I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> uh, like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, how do you know what my anus is going to be like today? <laughs> I can't I tell you. I feel like that's why in some ways it's good that like the studio model is starting to become a little bit less. Um, it's just not as just the basic thing anymore so performers I feel like just have more agency over what they're doing on set so you don't get these scenes where it's like a girl's obviously not wanting to do anal today and it's like okay I have to get through this scene I have to do this or that I feel like the content trade models really changed a lot yeah I do think there's a lot more so with the studio system there's a very clear ethical conflict right? Between the studio and the individual performer. Mm -hmm. And then like, okay, yeah, the lighting guy is moonlighting. So he's not getting the same like union protections that he gets in his day job when he's yep. working on a TV show. So he's being exploited too. Um, but it's a, it's a kind of capitalist structure that we've lived with for 
a while. And so we kind of can like see where the traps are, not when we're 21 and signing our contract for the first Definitely time. Definitely not. But <laughs> <laughs> but in all of the content trade, um, so around the world, I never did trade because I didn't feel good doing that mm-hmm. because it's likely that I will profit much more than Mickey Maud, Wolf Hudson. I mean, if it was a buy mm-hmm. scene, Wolf could do well with it, but for the like one-on-one scenes that we were doing that didn't seem like a fair trade. Yeah. Right? Like it's like you get what exposure. Um, yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> that then, scam. Yeah. And there was some kind of passing thought of like maybe I could do a bunch of math and track um track income for each scene and figure out like regular royalty payments but that that requires someone with a different kind of brain than I have and that requires a lot of effort for what in the end is like a couple hundred bucks yep (laughs) yeah that's definitely a thing especially after it first comes out and then you're sending people like 85 dollars at a time yeah like yeah, and it's like, so it's going to cost us $25 to send the wire transfer and your bank's going to take money out of it. So I'm spending $110 for you to get 70 Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, this just sucks. And, you know, if, um, if someone comes up with like a payment system, Right. Like I've heard, I've heard people talk about maybe blockchain could handle that, but blockchain requires so much energy yeah. that I don't think that's a viable solution either. Um, yeah. I think it's just, especially with like your generation of performers, you were like still in the studio model. So now everything has changed so much in the last even five years when I started. It was still people going to AVN or um, the expo and just trying to get gigs from studios. Now, no one's at the expo. Everyone's just back in their hotel shooting content. It's just so different now where people move to Vegas just to be like, oh, I'm just going to shoot as much porn as I can for three years and see if I become a porn star. Which in one way is kind of cool because it's like anyone can move there and just kind of make connections and try to make that happen. Where, you know, it's just so different than what it was. I'm cringing on the inside because <laughs> I get all the dudes who think I'm going to help them get into uh, mainstream porn. Um, I hate that shit so much. Yeah, so I, I have ambivalence about the idea that anyone can, like, on the one hand, I'm like, it can be beautiful, but on the other hand, I'm like, shh. It's just gonna send more random dudes to me. And I always tell them to read Tyler Knight's memoir. I always say, oh, if you want to um, have a consulting session, here's I offer them for $50. And all of them are like, no, I don't want to pay money to get into porn. I want to make money. It's like, well, okay then. Yeah. Can't do anything for you. <laughs> that and at that point, I'm not willing to help because if you're desperate for money you should not be 
in the studio system. Yes. You're going to get eaten alive. Completely. And just like getting to these places for shoots, it's not cheap. Most of these studios don't pay for people's rates now to like fly out, especially new male performers. Like you're viewed as completely disposable, I'm assuming, you know, because there's like a million men in the world who are like, I want to be a porn star. It's just like, yeah, I'm thinking somewhere on one of the digital playground like big deal movies behind the scenes is evan stone going on this whole rant about like oh you think you want to do this job well guess what we don't want you doing this job because you don't want us we don't want you to take our job for Um, real (laughs) yeah and i'm like i don't actually care about penises being limp or hard right? There are so many other things we can do. I don't think a raging aggressive erection is required for a porn scene. I've seen many lovely porn scenes that didn't have a single erection in them. Um, But that thing where the guy gets in his head and starts apologizing profusely, (laughs) profusely, And it just irritates me so much that I know I wouldn't be able to be kind in that situation because I would want them to just stop apologizing and saying, please stop apologizing just like makes more of it happen. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would have to go like full king holding court, get them away. Uh, yeah I mean I'm sure you've I'm sure you have this experience like kind of everyone in porn where it's always like the newer cis male performer who can't get hard and then everyone's on their phone and then it's just like everyone's waiting and it's just like this whole very uncomfortable situation I'm assuming being the person in that context is very uncomfortable as well and it's just like everyone on set is not having a good time Yeah. And, you know, people who want to have connected sex that is varied and strange and interesting, like, that's great. But these guys who DM me, they walk in with my (laughs) dick is this many centimeters. And I'm like, great. So you're, you're very, you're phallus centric, right? That's your that's your that's what you're leading with um yeah it's like they think that's just like we'll get them a job like it's like they think they're like an NBA player who's like seven foot tall and they're like oh yeah we'll give you a tryout of course my friend Sonia is a poet and she wrote this poem and she came to me and she was like I'm having trouble getting my poem published because nobody wants to print the title. I'm like, what's the title? And she sends over all caps, I'm not impressed by your big dick. (laughs) I was like, I'm gonna read this, but we're publishing it. Um, And then I read it and it was beautiful. And now I am obsessed with this poem. Uh, (laughs) I, I performed it at a reading in New York in I guess March yeah the beginning of March and I want to make it into it's only like a minute long um but I want to make 
like some sort of like music video style kind of like thing around it, maybe sort of like Parayanov. Um, he does a lot of like interesting visuals, mm -hmm. but um, that is that is basically my message to the world at this point in time with regards to these measurements is just, I'm not impressed by your big dick. Um, Cause it's just like, why? Like I, why, why do you think I care? Have you ever read anything I've written? Literally anything. Have you read my book just, where I talk about this exact? Even your porn, I feel like conveys that you're not a person who's just like, yeah, I just like big dicks. That's it. Like, I don't get how they get that out of you. I don't, I, I don't think they act, I think they just watch like cum shot compilations, like jizz on my face. I think that's <laughs> all they watch. And then they come to me and they say, I'm your biggest fan. And I'm like, you are 100% not. Uh, <laughs> like, you don't know that I murdered a teddy bear in my first scene. You don't know that. <laughs> yeah. Like, you don't know how much impatience I have for suffering fools. Um, like, I want to interact with people who can tell me that I'm wrong about things with credibility. That's a growth <laughs> opportunity. Um, but like, no, I'm not wrong about not caring about how many centimeters your penis is. Uh, but you know, it's it's fine. Um, my favorite thing about Mickey Mod is that he always pays attention to my armpits. I feel like you are very much, even though I feel like you're existence in the porn industry predates queer porn I feel like you influence in so much like uh, queer porn queer porn was around I when did when did shine found because there was definitely was, like on our backs yeah there was some of that but like I feel like the full movement like in 2008 when um crash pad launched or maybe it was like 2006 and like um Trouble Films was doing stuff. And I feel like when people started really moving here, because I feel like it really was happening like the mid 2000s. I moved out here in 2012 and it was like really kind of like the peak of it when everyone was moving here to be a porn performer, which is definitely not happening anymore. Like no one moves to San Francisco to do porn. Yeah, so it's just so different now. I feel, like, I feel like a lot of that energy just went to Berlin, honestly. Yeah. It's um, Europe's got some real cool stuff going on. I yeah, think it it would be an interesting thing to see what you would make in Western Europe. Yeah, um, it's just so cool. I don't know. I just love that what people are making there. I did a movie in Amsterdam right before the pandemic. That was really fun to do with um, a queer porn collective there. But I don't know. I think it's so cool that there's just so much stuff happening in Europe and there's just like festivals literally in nearly every country in Europe now that are popping up where there's like one in Poland, there's one in Belgium, there's one in Germany, there's one in Rome, Athens, Istanbul, really everywhere now. So nice. yeah, it just gives me so much hope that this whole thing is growing and especially just like a whole creative aspect of porn. Yeah. Well, I, well, I have two more questions for you. First off, thank you for taking all this time. It's been so great to chat with you in a longer than like 
we've done a few film festivals before together so I feel like whenever I've gone to chat for you it's like five or ten minutes at a time yeah and then I think we were supposed to meet up but then COVID happened or something yeah something like that you're in New York and then something went sideways and it didn't happen or I couldn't make it um so it's it's nice to get to like actually have a conversation even though half of this has been me babbling with varying degrees of idiocy Um, that's what I want from you though that's what I want from this interaction I want to hear all your stories and stuff this has been amazing a hundred percent um so you've obviously been Stoya for you started like for like 15 years now right at least so Obviously, you're not focusing on porn so much anymore, but really, what is your motivation for just creating stuff in general, whether it's poetry, whether it's art, whether it's OnlyFans, like what's really driving you right now? I, um, so the the OnlyFans sets, it's really fun to find a photographer whose work I like and meet somewhere in the middle collaboratively and like see what happens it's you know when I started performing in porn I was like orgasms yes that is what I'm here for I'm gonna (laughs) have access to people who have sex all the time so they know what they're doing with like these sorts of things definitely Um, it was very like kind of like lust driven and now it's much more connection driven and collaborative art is a similar kind of connection for Um, sure and like I have worked with people and then had sex with them and sometimes realized like actually the work was part of the sex um and it when there's when there's capitalism involved I'm like can't do this feels inappropriate um but when it's like artist to artist and then like maybe we figure out how to monetize it later that actually feels acceptable um and otherwise it's you know I did an artistic research program last summer that was about belief um and some stuff that was fun for me came out of that mostly once I have some breathing room I would like to find someone who knows how to do studies and if someone else wants to take this idea and do it for me great yes please um but I want to compare in a few different cultures what sex workers believe our communities believe about us and what those communities actually believe. Um, And maybe by the time I get it together to do that, that's no longer an interesting question, but like, what can feel like the tone of the country when your banker is taking away your bank account? Yeah. isn't my experience even interacting with people outside of New York and San Francisco and LA. Mm -hmm. 
mm -hmm. right? Like I've, I've taken so many plane rides where they want to have a conversation and they're like, and what do you do? And I'm like, well, I'm an adult performer. And they're like, excuse me, what? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, are you serious? And I'm like, yeah, 100%. Um, and then they're always like, you don't look like a porn star though. That's what I get a lot. You get the same thing. I, I used to get that. Yeah. Um, I've definitely gotten one time I got, but you look like one of my daughters. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, <laughs> I get a lot um, where people don't recognize me from somewhere where there's like, oh, we went to high school together, right? Just like, yeah, sure. <laughs> I So one time I did a signing at Comic-Con because one of my essays had been turned into like a four page comic for heavy metal and they wanted me at their booth. And so I called my dad who's a big old nerd. He's where <laughs> my interest in science fiction came from. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm like, hey, dad, I need a favor. <laughs> I don't want to hire security because that seems <laughs> excessive, but I definitely want someone with me for this particular appearance. Do you think you could possibly do me a favor and come to the city and escort me around comic-con and he's That's like so wholesome yes so Aww. then so then I like made sure we got there like a couple of hours early so we could walk around mm -hmm. we go down to artist alley and I'm saying hi to this person and like oh this is my dad and they're like we're so happy to meet your dad we've heard about him I'm like that's lovely and then we're on our way back to go up to the main floor to like the booth that I'm supposed to be at. This guy stops me and he's like, you look familiar. I'm like, oh, heh. and he's like, no, 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 where do I know you from? And I'm like, I can't tell you the answer to that. And he's like, are you like an actress or something? Or like, and I'm like by the way, this is my father. Um, now I know that <laughs> my dad doesn't, care about my job yeah at all as long as I'm happy and healthy he doesn't care what I'm doing he's not bothered by it um but <laughs> this guy doesn't know that and I'm trying to get him to fuck off and so I'm like this is my actual literal father and he's like no no I think oh oh and I'm like yeah you want to say it come on say the word say the word and he's like Pornhub and I'm like all right I have a story and he's like, that's not your dad. And I'm like, no, that, that really is. That really, really is. Um, yeah, that, that one is one of my proudest moments. Um, also one time I was at a YouTube thing for Clayton Cubitt's hysterical literature. And there was this guy and he came up and he started stroking me on the shoulder. Ew. And I was wearing my coat, my winter coat, which was fur. I got it at like an antique store. So I felt okay about it, but it was actual real fur. And he's just, just like petting me. And then he's like, um, that's not real fur, is it? I'm like, no, it is. And he's like, Ugh. and I'm like, you, sir, just violated your own boundaries by violating mine. Um, <laughs> that's so uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. um, but those, those moments I enjoy. Um, 
yeah I just think I it's forget so, what the original question was I don't oh what's your motivation for I feel like you're just um yeah your motivation for creating is it just kind of collaborative collaborative experiences with other artists that and then sometimes I just get like a real bug up my butt about something and I'm like no I really need to do this and Sonia's poem is one of those things and I also um this is why I hesitated when you asked if I was officially retired because what I want to do I'm so ready for this I'm very excited to hear this I haven't even mentioned this to Fleshlight but okay world exclusive I am a huge (laughs) fan of professional wrestling and I have done for the entertainment of my friends several <laughs> professional wrestler impersonations. Oh um, my god! Can we hear it, some of them, or is this? Oh, um, it's. I really, I'm stronger with the visuals, but like okay. early in the pandemic, my best friend Justin was like, "Hey, our friend Comas, he doesn't get to do his like Comas Fest kind of like spring party event." Um, because of the lockdown. So do you think you could dress up as Scott Steiner and inform him that Comas Fest isn't going to happen? And I'm like, hold on, because see, everything's closed because of lockdown. So I'm not sure if I have the materials. So I'm like, all right, he wears like a chain metal headdress. I have gray netting in the drawer that I can pin to my head. Um, he's got a white goatee. I have a white cat. You that do have sheds a white cat. <laughs> a lot. Of and course. so I brushed the cat <laughs> and I took the pad of cat fur that was like half felted <laughs> and I glued it to my face with eyelash glue. I had a mustache and a goatee. And then I put the fabric on my head and I'm like, oh hey, come on. I got some bad news <laughs> for you, brother. There's a 350% chance that Comas Fest ain't fucking happening. And there's a 220% chance. <laughs> wow. I had no idea you were into wrestling at all. That's shocking. So I want to do like a retirement video in the form <laughs> of like the like 70s and 80s shoot promos where there's one there's one particular one with harley race where he's got his world belt over his shoulder and he's in plain clothes against the plain wall speaking from the heart about why he's the best in the world um and i would like to see if I can make this into a pitch that makes sense and send it to Fleshlight and somehow convince them to help me make a Fleshlight belt. It's a real shame ABN doesn't give championship belts over awards. <laughs> <laughs> or like you would have, thinking about this a few days ago, I'm like, man, these porn trophies would be a lot cooler if they were as championship belts. It would. Are you also? Do you have an appreciation for professional wrestling? Uh, a little bit. Um, yeah, just a tad. I've watched a few documentaries of people being like, "No, this is why it's an important storytelling thing." I can't quite watch it on TV. Um, my partner tried to get me to watch. Um, I think it was like whatever the Friday thing is on Fox, and after like five minutes, I'm like, "I can't do this. I can't." 
I would say try AEW. Okay. Um, they're a different promotion. They're pretty new. Their whole thing is like taking indie talent and putting it on a TV stage that like doesn't really rival WWE yet, mm -hmm. but they have TV shows on real networks. Can't remember what the names are. Um, <laughs> Some network out there. Yeah, I was like, what are those TV networks that we remember from our childhood? I'm like, it's all um, on YouTube TV. It's it's all not real. Channels don't yeah. exist anymore. Uh, but for me, what works about it is the hyper-reality and I respond to it so much because it shares that hyper reality with pornography yeah in a way that like the u.s i don't think we invented any of it but we did really make it into a specific thing um and so that feels like the best way to like say goodbye mm -hmm. and i would like to put a bow on it right yeah <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I feel like you're probably always going to do stuff as Stoya, though, right? Even if it's not porn. Yeah, I mean, for the for the slate column, you know, dealing in a world that's never heard of Stoya, right? Like people who study endocrine disruption, um, <laughs> like most of them have no idea. So I've started going by Jessica Stoya for my journalism work um because it's a lot easier to get a response when I'm like hello I have two names like any <laughs> normal person um, <laughs> yeah I feel like there's a few porn girls who just have one name I think that's so cool that's just like after I'm like man I should have done that <laughs> but yeah I think there's a lot of crossover with porn and wrestling where it's like it's real but it's also not I also feel like porn has a lot of um, crossover with just being an athlete in general, especially because it's usually people in their early 20s, 30s, that's when you're like kind of in the peak of your career. I think it's kind of a mixture of something like with a lot of artistry, like maybe figure skating, but there's also this like actual raw physical abilities you need to have. And that's why I almost relate to MMA or wrestling because you have to be able to do all these things that most yeah. people can't do. Most people can't perform when there's a room full of people and it might ah. be 2 a.m. because the lighting had issues. Like, yeah, that's the thing I've kind of been comparing it to a lot lately. And I've gotten really into sports psychology lately and I feel like there's so many parallels because, you know, like if you're a performer, you can do these things, but there's just so many mental things that I feel like can be difficult. Part of the decision, I mean, part of the decision to say, even though things are opening back up and I'm vaccinated and boosted, I'm still not going back to filming is definitely like, it was nice not worrying about giving my recreational partners chlamydia. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's, that's a very real thing that really happens. Um, yeah. And it's definitely a risk. I do not tolerate birth control. I tried so many different pills. I can't handle the dump of the hormones. Um, so it was also really nice not worrying about being pregnant. And of course I could only work with people who don't produce sperm. Mm -hmm. um, there are so many options, but then also 
I'm 35. I have put my body through a whole lot. Most of the scenes that I was doing when I was with Digital Playground, I had my period. I had a sea sponge shoved up inside me. Yeah. And we would have to cut so I could go deal with the sponge. And then sometimes it would be pushed like way up in there and the cervix is lifted and I'm like digging around and I'm like, hey man. That's a um, very real part of porn. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm like, you're gonna have to go right back to fucking me in about two minutes, but can you just reach your hand inside me and grab this blood soaked sponge so I can be prepared? <laughs> I will do my best to help you feel aroused again once you've done this for me. Um, and you know, some people don't mind blood, but the the sponge is like particularly in your face when it that's comes a out. Very yeah, that's a <laughs> very normal thing in porn. Honestly, like that comes up. Yeah, like every pitch shoot I'm on. Yep. And I just, I don't have the stamina that I once did with regards to my joints. And I don't have the ability to walk off my period like I used to. And so I'm like rather, cause I, I tried to shoot one. I did the roller derby film for, oh, I can't remember which name is the porn name. And which one is the legal name? So I'm not going to say um, it. Ricky Greenwood. Yes, thank you. Um, so I did one movie for him, and then he wanted me to do another one, and it was all set to happen. And then I completely lost my mind, and I was like, I can't do this. I got to go back to New York. And then about three hours after I said that, I started gushing blood from my vagina, and it was like, oh, that's what happened. Um, <laughs> But I'm like, I can't rely on my body to cooperate yeah. anymore. And I don't want to be, you know, it was totally understandable coming in with Razor Dolls, which was not doing, you know, production line assembly kind of releases, mm -hmm. but the way that the studio system is now. And then also like, you know, oh, yeah, I'd love to do a trade with you or even like hire you come to where I am, which is a long travel and I may not be able to do the seat, right? <laughs> like, yeah, it's like a full business trip. And then, I mean, you just never know how your body is going to be like that. And especially with you, you've had all of your 20s where you're this award-winning performer. I can imagine having it be like, my body's not doing everything I want it to. I don't want to fully invest in this. No. Um, and I, where I live now, once I finish getting my belongings through customs, I can support myself as a writer. That's so amazing. Yeah. So I'm just, that's, that's where my life is going. Um, also, also like more, more education, right? Like that's, it's really fun for me and I'd like to be leaning in that direction and the the porn schedule it's like I guess I could squeeze something in on spring break but it's probably better for me to actually take a break right yeah for sure also I just feel like the casting and the movie the roller derby movie you and Joanna Angel is like the two leads it's so cool 
like that hit like my 2009 like porn like taste like right in the middle be like wow this is amazing casting <laughs> I was I was very honored to be a part of that cast because it was also like Arabelle Raphael mm-hmm. um you know some some Elsa Jean um you know like some of the like top of the top of the heap at that time performers mm-hmm. um and it was really wonderful to actually do a scene with Joanna. That's so cool. I feel like it was so such a long time in the making. Like I feel like you guys were almost like the two flip sides of alt porn. And I feel like it's yeah. so cool that like all my alt porn people that got me into porn, like that you guys still were able to do stuff even I think it was pre-pandemic, but still yeah. it's still so cool. Yeah, that me. was that was 2018. Um yeah, and then it was either towards the end of 2018 or the beginning of 2019 when I flaked on Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry, man, I'm blowing your whole production. I hope you can replace me. And he's like, you're unreplaceable, but I'll find someone else. To yeah, he'll, he'll figure like, it out. You. Yeah. But then I don't think I even circled back to be like, sorry, I got my period. Because um, that's like, just because it's my reality doesn't mean that I should shore up the patriarchal assumption that women are crazy when they get their periods. Um, <laughs> I'm like, it's yeah, just was- me. It's just me. It's not normal. <laughs> yeah, I was on set with him in 2019. And I'm like, you did a very good job casting that movie. Very good job. <laughs> so I have one final question. This is my only like buzzfeedy, clickbaity kind of question. Okay. Um, so. Let's say you wake up tomorrow and one thing could magically be changed in porn forever. What would you have it be? I want policy that prevents workplace discrimination against people who have done sex work. Hell yeah. I love that. That's a great answer. Thank you. Did did you see um, Australia pass that? At least Victoria did. Yeah. I think that's so amazing that there's the protections against discrimination for us and, you know, actually legalizing our job and not feeling criminalized at all points, even when you're doing legal sex work. Yeah. 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 I think, I think that would be great. Um, and if I can't have that, if the tube sites could just all disappear. Hell yeah. I'm done for that. <laughs> that would also, cause I think it's so bad to just have porn laying around where young people can stumble on that and then not have anywhere to go to get context in sex ed. And so until that's solved, I'm like, yeah. Yeah. I, both those are such great answers. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Honestly, I can say I don't think I would have ever become a porn performer if it wasn't for you. So I just want to thank you so much for just all the stuff you've done and just continue to do with your writing and everything. Can you let everyone know where they can find you on all the links? Yes. Um, HelloStoya.com is sort of the hub. I Every like year or two, I update the links bar. I should probably do it more often, but I don't. Um, uh, onlyfans.com slash Stoya, centerfold.com slash Stoya. And that's, you know, the same content goes on both. I don't quite know how I feel about centerfold yet. So that might go poof 
at some point. <laughs> OnlyFans might go poof at some point. Really go to yeah, Hello. Yeah, who Stoya. knows about that, right? Like, go, go to Hello Stoya. That'll be, <laughs> you know, that that's my platform. So I can't be, well, I'm sure there are ways I could be kicked off my platform, well, but it would yeah. be much harder. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Um, yeah, it was so great to chat with you and I'm so excited for everyone to hear this conversation. Bye everyone. Thank you.